podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy. And this time, at the moment, I'm joined by just James Batchelor from the Watford Way. Hopefully Ben will be joining us at some stage in this recording, although it is half seven now and he has got football at eight o'clock, so there's a possibility he won't be able to join, unfortunately. But you may hear from him, you may not. Uh, I'll say hello on his behalf. Um, he does He does obviously say hello to everyone. Um that is listening. But as I say, I am with James Batchelor from the Watford Way. Uh, James is going to be joining us more regularly this season to uh, to get our teeth into the games and hopefully victories. Uh, and James, <laughs> that's what we're here to talk about today. We're talking about Watford's 3-1 victory against Norwich. But before we get started, how's things for you? It's been a while since you've been on. How's everything been? Yeah, it's been a good while. I'm all good. Just looking forward to getting back to the Vic this week. Two games in, in four days, I think it is. So very much looking forward to that. And as I mentioned before the pod, Mike, I'm off to um, off to the O2 for the AJ Usyk uh, weigh-in press conference. Uh, so I can't get to the fight, which is a shame. But but yeah, looking forward to that as well. Yeah, good stuff, man. That, that, I'm, I'm jealous of you for, for going there. I've always wanted to go to a boxing match. But uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's not the boxing match you're going to, but I'm sure the weigh-in will be a good atmosphere as it is anyway. Hopefully it kicks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what you want. That is definitely yeah. what you want. You know, um, tables flying, chairs flying, that's what you want. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed you, you get a bit of entertainment. But uh, with myself, I've... Um, I've been very, very busy this weekend, actually. Um, I was in Blackpool from Friday and got back yesterday. We're recording this on Monday, by the way, so got back on Sunday. Um, no special reason, really. Just went up with uh, my boss and a, a few few of the lads and their, uh, their girlfriends round, round in, uh, where I live at the moment. And we went up to Blackpool and, um, and yeah, he, he, it was as... Blackpool, you'd expect it to be. It was uh, it was very messy at times, and uh, luckily I managed to catch final score and the goals coming in, and I celebrated like mad when we went up and we were in this bar, right? And um, it come up on final score. Bear in mind there was a singer playing, so all the TVs were turned, sort of the volume was off, so it was two one to us. And in the corner it said it said VAR. And it said it for ages, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, has someone scored? Has there been a disallowed goal? Yeah. And then it flashed up, and we it went it, the the score changed to three one. So I was like, "Thank God for that!" Uh, the last thing we would have needed is Norwich equalising. Um, but as I say, we are here to talk about the game, and as always, we'll start with the team news. And yeah. for myself. Uh, I was very surprised with with one of the changes. I'll be honest, but uh, I'll just run through the team for those that didn't see. It was Foster in goal, a back four of Danny Rose, Craig Cathcart, Truster Kong, 
and Kiko Femenia. It was good to see him back. Uh, midfield, it was Sissoko, Cleverly and Kucho, um, Kushka. Sorry, if, if anyone listened to last week's podcast, they'll know now the official pronunciation of, uh, of, of Kushka. So it was Kushka in midfield uh, as part of that midfield three with Cleverly and Sissoko. And then it was Dennis, King and Saar as the front three. Uh, now, a couple of things with this lineup. Um, firstly, Foster coming in, there was reports, uh, Adam Leventhal broke the news before the game that uh, Backman was due to miss out due to an injury. I can't remember whether he said it was his foot or his leg. Yeah, um, I think it was his knee, actually. His knee, yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, that one was, was quite a, uh, a surprise. And then there was no Serielta uh, as well. Uh, which was also a bit of a surprise for me. It was good to see Kiko come in. But what I found odd was Backman was injured, but he was on the bench. So I, I don't know whether that meant Elliot was injured as well. So they had no choice but well, to put Backman about, on the bench. But after the after the game, Mike, I watched um I watched Disco's post match press conference back. Yeah. Adam actually asked Disco. He said, "Oh, is it true that that Batman's got a knee injury?" And then Zisco actually said, no, it was, it was purely tactical and, and he wanted Foster to play. Well, that is very, very interesting. I mean, James, what do you make of that? Because before we, we, we talk about the rest of the changes that happened, um, funnily enough, me, you and Ben had this discussion last season in terms of Backman or Foster as a number one. But there has been a few calls now, whether to say they're the right calls or not, you know, personally, my personal opinion... I don't think they're the right calls, but there has been a few calls on Twitter for people wanting Foster to come back in. Maybe they're suggest, being suggesting that Backman isn't maybe looking comfortable in the Premier League and he's making a few mistakes and his distribution can be a bit off sometimes. And, you know, that goal against Tottenham, um, in my opinion, he should have saved it. Uh, so... You know, there have been a few people calling for Foster to come back in. What's your view been on it? Was you surprised to see Foster in? Was you happy to see Foster in? Or, or did you think Batman deserved another shot at it? Yeah, I, I expected the change um, to happen at some point during the season, just because, obviously, from what we've seen of Batman so far, it's, it's not been fantastic. Mm. But I do think it's it, it was quite a rash decision. Um, you know, I think Batman should have at least been given until what the next international break in, in a few weeks' time because yeah. you know he, he has looked a bit shaky, but he's not actually you know apart from that Tottenham mistake, which as you say should have saved, he's not made you know a glaring error. I don't think, um, and we know Foster also has errors in him as well. So I think both keepers have their pros and cons. If, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, yeah, and look, he he didn't endure the best of international breaks as well. Uh, Danny Backman, Austria lost five two to Israel, so conceding five goals there, and then uh, losing to Scotland as well. Although um, I didn't watch that match, but I'm told he um, he made a, a couple of good saves in that match. But ultimately, I think the goal for Scotland, from memory, I, I think. Well, from what I heard, I think it was a penalty. So usually he's decent at saving penalties. Um, you never expected to save a penalty. If you do, you're a hero. That's what David Seaman always used to say. So I'm not going to be, you know, kicking off that he's not saving penalties. But I think there was a couple of shaky moments from him in the international break as well, which definitely wouldn't have helped. Uh, so it was... Um, 
it, it was interesting to see that and to hear that he was injured and then see him on the bench, I was thinking, hmm, that's a bit hard. And then I didn't know what you just said as well. So that makes yeah, it even it's, more it's, It wasn't actually very well publicised on, on social media after the game. But I, yeah, I just watched back Zisco's post-match press conference and he said, yeah, he said it was tactical. Yeah. So, you know, and and just quickly as well, before we move on to the other changes, uh, I just want to say we just received a message from Ben, who's actually hoping to join in a couple of minutes, which is uh, which is quite interesting because um, he, I thought he had football. But nonetheless, uh, we, we'll move on. Um, yeah. Would you keep Foster for the next game, considering, you know, we won 2-1, he... I didn't personally watch the game. You watched the game. How, how was his performance? Was he one that's worthy of keeping his place? Or would you then go and change it again, maybe? Or do you think too much change will cause disruption? disruption uh, sorry. It was it was an interesting performance. I wouldn't say he did anything largely wrong. Um, the only questionable bit from Foster, you know, during the Norwich game was uh, for Pukki's goal. He kind of got caught in, in no man's land a little bit. He didn't know whether to stay or, or, or go. Um, he was kind of in in the middle, and Puki kind of just it was it's kind of like a dink shot. It wasn't really a dink, but he he, he did place to finish Puki. Um, and I think Foster probably could have done better there. Um, yeah, I'd, I, I'd think so. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought overall it was it was a, a decent performance. But it'll be interesting to see who actually plays in the cup against Stoke because ultimately, you know, wh- whoever plays then, we know that in in the Premier League game coming up. It will it will either be you know if, if let's say Batman plays in the cup we know that Foster will pretty much play play against Newcastle Newcastle so it'd be interesting to see really who who plays against Stoke because I think that'll give us a bit more information as to what's going on. Yeah, definitely it will be interesting to see who plays against Stoke and look Foster's been the, the cup goalkeeper so obviously we've had that change at the weekend where. Foster's gone back in for now we know as tactical reasons. Uh, will he then change the cup goalkeeper because Foster was in goal against Crystal Palace? Who knows? It's going to be interesting to uh, to, to keep an eye on, definitely. But um, another one, James. Sierra Elton not in. Um, obviously scored an own goal against Wolves last week, which yeah. was far from ideal and um, was, I wouldn't say completely to blame for, um, for their second goal, but he, he certainly... You know, could have done better. I think. Do you think again that was another tactical change? Was you surprised to see him left out, or do you think it was maybe the right idea? Give him a maybe a week off to sort of refresh and hopefully come back in and be at his best, like we know CRL to Camber. Well, this is for me. This is even more odd than the Foster Batman situation because we've had really no communication from the club as to what's actually happened with Sirielta. He's not been confirmed as injured. So the club usually posts something before the game saying, you know, this player's injured, this player's not available. We've seen nothing regarding him in, in terms of that. Um, and he wasn't really mentioned by, by Zisco either. So I don't know whether he was just, as you say, dropped from the squad completely to maybe clear his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I'd much prefer Cyril in obviously, over over Cathcart, your partner, choose the Kong. So hopefully um, we'll at least see Cyril to return to that Stoke game, if not if not the Newcastle game. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, who, hopefully if he does come back in, that that Wolves game is completely in the back of his mind, fresh mindset, and he can be back to that rock that we know at the back. But in terms of the rest of the, the, the selections, obviously we saw Kiko come back in. How good was it to see Kiko and Sarah again on the same pitch? Oh, it was, oh my God, it was so, so good. We we know the connection they've got. I mean, yeah. we saw it in the championship last year. 
And I think, it, you know, it was evident with, with the first goal that Dennis scored as well. It was such a good cross by Kiko. And all game, really, they were tearing that Norwich left-hand side to, to shreds, really. Brandon Williams um, is, is a good player, but I thought, you know, Saar and Kiko really had him on toast for that game. They were just, you know, in, in, until Kiko went off, um, you know, that was definitely the, 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 the most... It was just, I don't have words for it really. It's just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and, and yeah, it was great to see Kiko back. Yeah, and uh, I think he's actually been ruled out of tomorrow's game against Stoke. So he's picked up yeah. another little knock. So I, I wouldn't I, have risked him in that anyway, really. No, no definitely not. I, I'd I'd imagine we'll see Ngakia at, at right back tomorrow. Um, but I, I don't know whether the, I, I've not actually read the article that, says about the injury I've just seen that he's been ruled out uh, but hopefully it's not a uh, a long-term injury because Kiko's only just got back from an injury so to lose him again would uh, would be quite catastrophic to be honest and I, I you know got nothing against Ngakia but I just think the way that Saar and Kiko link up it'd be a disappointing well it'd be disappointing to see him sort of out the team again and and Saar struggling because of it. Well, I say struggling because of it. He's he's done all right since, but he's he definitely. I personally think his A game sort of gets bumped up when he's got someone like Kiko behind him. So, fingers crossed, he, he's not out for too long. But, um, in terms of the game itself, we obviously going into this one. Um, I, I want to get your opinion on something here, James, because I personally thought, even though it's so so early on in the season. I had this down as a bit of a must-win, um, purely because you know we haven't enjoyed the best start to the season. Uh, only one win to our name before that, and we'd struggled to score in the last three league games. I think it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, and I've gone on record and said I actually think this is the best attacking sort of options we've we've got or we've had in the Premier League since we got re-promoted back in 14-15 um, season. So. You know, I was very, very surprised that it hasn't quite clicked. But big game. Did you have this down as a must-win, or do you think it's too early to be throwing those sort of tags around? Um, I didn't. I personally didn't have it down as a must-win. I had it down as a must-not-lose. So you know, if 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 circumstances arose, I, w- I would have taken a draw. But I think for Zisco and Zisco's future at the club, it was a must-win because if Zisco had then lost against Norwich, then really his future at Watford was dependent on whether whether we beat Newcastle or not. And he has taken the pressure off himself quite significantly by, by getting them three points against Norwich. So for me it was just, you know, don't 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 embarrass yourselves, lads. Whereas for Zisco, I think it was, you know, he, he had to win that game to keep the fans on the side really. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned this in the last podcast that we did. Uh, me and Ben were talking about it, whereby, you know, I said that from the next couple of games, we would have had to have really been looking at getting bare minimum, and I say bare minimum, of four points. So, obviously, you know, good start with getting three points on the board already. Um, as I just said, you know, I was talking to, to Ben about this. Ben's actually joined us. Uh, so, Ben, how are you doing this evening, buddy? Yeah, evening boys. Sorry if I'm late to the party. Um, no I hope it's been a good show so far. I imagine it has been. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, boys. Um, how are you both doing? You all right? Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely fine. Uh, just talking all about good. the uh, the the relieving three-one win for us. Now, ben, you've actually come at a good time because I, I was saying to I was just asking James, 
Did you sort of have this down as a must-win game for us, or do you think it's too early to be throwing those sort of tags around? Um, it, it was the team that you're probably more likely to get three points out of. I don't know if it was a must-win. It, it's so early into the season. If it's like coming down to like the last five, six games of the season when you're actually fighting for your life and you, a win is a must and you've got to avoid relegation, then I'd put that into a must-win category. Um, I, yeah. I think it's, especially against a team that um, you, you've came up with, you kind of expect to probably get a performance out of a man three points. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have said it was a must-win. Where do you stand on this? Is it a must-win for you? Uh, yeah, I yeah, you know, I, I think... <laughs> So you, you both make very, very good points here because, you know, it, it is so early on in the season and to say to call it a must-win to some people is absolutely crazy. But I, I just don't know if saying must-win shows them a bit of not as much, enough respect in my eyes. If, you, if you're saying must-win, like, I, I find it a bit disrespectful. Um, to Watford? Or no, no, to the opposition, because yeah. no, no one deserves to turn up and pick up three points. And if you're saying must win, it, it, you're kind of showing a bit of disrespect to the opposition because you, you never know what team's going to turn up on the day and they might play you off the park. And yeah, I think that's what I was worried about is us messing it up. Like, I, and we know our record against Norwich uh, recently has been brilliant. It's, you know, Cisco's record against Daniel Farker and Norwich is he's, he's 100% record, isn't he? So, you know, he, he knows how to... He's got Norwich's number every time so far. But I just... The last thing that I, we, I think we needed as a team, I think the last thing that uh, Cisco needed as a manager in terms of his position uh, was to lose this game. And we don't want to be going into, you know, these... We've got a tough running coming in November and, you know, it's almost the end of September now. So we've got a really, really tough running. So the last thing that we need is to not be picking up points in the games where we should be picking up points, if, if you get what I mean. Like, you know, we've we've got, we beat Norwich, luckily. For me, I think I personally wouldn't be happy with a draw against Newcastle. Again, I, I might get a bit of backlash for that. Uh, but I, I think we should be looking at beating Newcastle, especially because we're at home. Um, I, I think definitely, you know, should after the disappointment against Wolves as well, we, we need to be picking up as many points as we can at home because it is going to be tough on the road. Uh, so hopefully against Newcastle, we, we can pick something up. But uh, I've massively gone off on a tangent there, Jones, because I was saying... What a brilliant start to the game it was. 17 minutes on the clock to put any sort of nerves to, to bed. Emmanuel Dennis, second uh, second goal of the season for him. Heads it in the goal. Brilliant cross from Kiko. And just the start that we needed, wasn't it? Oh, mate. I've got to say, his celebration as well was absolutely oh, world class. The back, <laughs> the, the back flip was absolutely incredible. But, but yeah, great cross by Kiko. I think we, we know that's what Kiko can offer. Going forward is, is a lot better than, than Jeremy Ngakia. Defensively, Ngakia is probably better. But you, you saw what the, the delivery from Kiko there. It was, it was absolutely great. Into the right area. Um, and, and, you know, Dennis, he, he's, he's not actually that, that tall, that physical, but he did really well to, to get across, I think it was Grant Hanley, and, and head that back in, into, the, into the bottom left-hand corner. And great start, great header, and 1-0 and to, to Watford. It was indeed. And, you know, a few sighs of relief, because uh, to be honest, I, I was nervous going into the game. Uh, Norwich, I think, it, before, well, it's still that, you know, it still stands his record, but 
going into the game, they were the only team in the top four tiers not to pick up a single point. So, you know, that that was definitely playing on my mind. You know, that is it would be such a Watford thing to do to turn up to a team that hasn't picked up any points yet this season uh, and, and completely fluff something. But uh, luckily, that was the start that we needed. Um, however, it, it wasn't all sort of roses and, and unicorns as they say um, you know it, it wasn't pretty for the for the rest of it we did sort of there was a bit of squeaky bum time Ben 35 minutes in Timu Puki levelled it for the visitors um, James actually said and, and I agreed with him that Foster perhaps could have done a little bit better whether he was coming out quicker or making himself bigger or whatnot. but Timu Puki fired them level was you worried at all? Because obviously we then went into the break at 1-1. Was you maybe worried that we were only going to be coming away with a point? Did you think maybe that Norwich would maybe take a bit of momentum being the home team and maybe go on to win it? What what were your thoughts when, when they equalised and we went into the break at, at 1-1? Well, it took Pukki um, four attempts to finally score against us, didn't he? <laughs> so um, fair yeah. play to him. But yeah, we shouldn't be conceding goals like that. It looked like Foster was in two minds, wasn't it? Whether he was going to come or not come. I don't know if there was a miscommunication between him and Craig Cathcart. But to concede a goal at that point of a time in the first half, where, to be fair, Watford probably dominated that first half. We had the better chances as well. And it was like we shot ourselves in the foot there. Um, it was an avoidable goal. And, it was just how we was going to react at half-time after that. But I thought we reacted quite well because just before half-time, Ismail Assar went through one-on-one with Tim Krull and it was just, just a fingertips that put it past the post. And if we scored there, then I think I d- wouldn't have seen Norwich coming out in that second half because that would have uh, dampened their spirits. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, I probably should have highlighted this earlier on in the in the episode, but when the Norwich team news come out, they were absolutely buzzing with it. Like, they were so, so like, this is what we want to see and all this. And I was thinking, uh-oh, like, that's not good. I, I usually like going on the opposition's Twitter when they've announced the team news and they're all kicking off. Why are you playing him? Why are you playing him? Why are we playing this way? But it was completely the opposite. They, they were absolutely buzzing with that team. So, you know... For them to get a goal at just before half time, probably not ideal. Um, obviously, then in in the second half, you know, we dealt a little bit of well, I think quite a big blow. We dealt a blow. Kiko coming off for Ngakia. Hopefully, it's not too bad. But 63 minutes on the clock, Ismail Assad does what Ismail Assad does. And funnily enough, it it was weird, Ben, because we used to seeing Saar do this, but hugging that touchline was Josh King, and he pulled it back across, and there was Ismail Assad to tap it in. How good was Josh King, by the way? Um, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, I think he's claiming the assist for that second goal, which, to be honest, I'm not having, because it, uh, he says that he hit off his leg on the way there. But, um, again, an, another game where Josh King's showing what he can do. But, Ben, was you impressed with Josh King's performance? First half, Josh King was good. Second half, he was phenomenal. He really yeah. stepped it up. Second half, I was really impressed with him. For that goal that we, um, the second goal that we scored, Josh King was actually in the centre, uh, central role, and um, it was Ngakia that slid the ball down the side, uh, down the, the line, 
for him to run onto. It was a great darting run to make space and he completely lost for his Norwich man and he just got to the byline just in time and that was great awareness because he's a striker in himself. He knows what kind of areas he wants to receive a ball in. So he looked up just before he received the ball. He saw Ismail Asar making that run towards the front post and it, it was great work. You can tell that's the kind of things that Watford are working on in training. The combination between the three, Ismail Asar, Emmanuel Dennis and Josh King, they just interchange their positions. You don't know who's going to be playing through the middle it they just confused the defenders and it's exciting to see this is the best attacking lineup we've had for a very long time at Watford yeah yeah but funnily enough I, I said that um, earlier in this episode as well but uh James we we saw Josh King miss quite an easy chance against Wolves uh you know it, it was an open goal but the way the, the the ball the pace of the ball come at him and maybe getting his feet uh, you know it's probably harder than it actually looked to, to put that in. But it's so good to see him still, you know, keep coming and, you know, keep fighting. And he, he got an assist at the weekend. Are you, do you think that Josh King's going to get back to that player he was at Bournemouth where he, he scored them goals and, you know, helped assist the, you know, Callum Wilson and whoever else they, they play up front? But, um are you excited to see what Josh King's got in his locker for the rest of this season? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as Ben said, this is definitely, you know, in, in terms of attacking players, you've got Cucho, Pedro, Dennis, Saar, King. Like, when have we ever had such a large um, plethora of, of attacking talent at Watford? I, I've not really I've not really seen it in, in my time supporting Watford. You know, Dini Agallo in their prime was good. You know, we've had Vidra. You know, we've had loads of good players. But in terms of, you know, playing in the Premier League at the highest level... The interchangeability, the pace, the power. I mean, you know, you, you were never going to get Troy Deeney, you know, playing right wing, left <laughs> wing, really, were you? So, so yeah, it's, he, it's fantastic. He did under Malky McKay. He played, uh, <laughs> That's a very, he, very long time ago. In fact, funnily enough, his debut was against Norwich, and I'm pretty sure he played right mid that game, back in 2010-11 season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that... Uh, little bit of a throwback for you there but yeah no I'm, I'm so so you know looking forward to seeing Josh King hopefully back at his best and look it, it, it won't be long I don't think till he scores his first goal and I think as soon as he scores his first goal he's going to click and you know I, I think as long as he scores his first goal within the next couple of games and it's I think he Newcastle. will click I, I hopefully it does come against Newcastle I personally think then he'll get double figures for the season. Big call, I know, but I, I think he's literally... like He did that uh, interview at the end with Gifton Noel Williams, which I thought was brilliant by the club, by the way. That was brilliant, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. So I really, refreshing really to get that. like an ex-player on to actually interview and talk about like what he would experience as well and just talk mm. like it, it wasn't a normal interview that you would have from a journalist. It was actually no. more of an in-depth, insightful interview from someone who's played the game. Yeah, yeah, and just watching that interview, you you can tell that, you know, he he is getting more confident with the, more game time. I think he said that was the first ninety minutes he's he's played for quite some time, uh, so you know that's going to help as well. But I do genuinely think he he he, sh- he gives off the vibe that with more game time he will come like it, it will definitely happen for him, and uh, I think he can got- get double figures. I think another point is as well is, you know, the front three are playing so, so well at the moment. And, and yeah. you know, Cucho can't really get a, get a look at yeah. this guy. I mean, he's he's, he's coming off mad, the bench in, in spits and spats. But 
But Kucha at the moment's really, really a Carabao Cup player, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And you still got JP10 to come back into a fold as well. This is what I mean. This is why I think this is the best front line we've had since that 14 15 uh, promotion season. Like, I, I genuinely think that we are so blessed with these players. Um, and, you know, as you say, Ben, JP tends to come back as well. I, I cannot wait. I do, however, think, and I don't want to get on a, the, this topic too much because we'd be going sort of off off topic again but I do think we are going to see JP Tenney more of a midfield role in terms of a more attacking midfielder role maybe maybe in the number 10 I don't know uh, but yeah we, we've got these to come back and on Dennis as well I, I think he will get you know he, he will get goals this season as well he's obviously on two already this season um, he, he's very very capable uh, of, of getting 10 goals as well I think this season so you know, hopefully it's going to be an exciting season going forward. Uh, Are we going to see a season where all three have got t- 10 goals this season, double figures for all the front three? I would be very, very surprised if we did. I Champions League if we do. Well, this is it. To, to have your front three all on a minimum of 10 each, that's quite incredible, to be honest. Uh, what do you think? It, Sars on three, Dennis is on two. I know King hasn't even scored yet, but um, it's coming against Newcastle, Ben. You called it. It's, it's hat trick against Newcastle. Yeah, hat trick against Newcastle. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I am really, really excited to see what they can do for the rest of this season, and I think that they will get some goals between them. They really, really will. Um, Ben, as Ben mentioned there, Ismail Asar's got three goals for the season. He's second coming on the 80th minute um, and it was a VAR call and it's gone in our favour and, you know, I think brilliant, you know, <laughs> VAR, it, they're trying to be more sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the word, they're trying to be more fluid with it in terms of, yeah. you know, it's not going to be taking as long and they're, they're not drawing these stupid lines, they're not zooming in and people's elbows aren't playing them offside, their fingertips, their fingernails. I remember one, you know, I think it was Sheffield United against Tottenham. Because he was a size 10 or 11 or 12, his foot was <laughs> offside. If he had smaller feet, he'd have been onside. And like, it's just crazy. So it is refreshing to see it being dealt with so quickly and they're not being so anal about it as well. But again, uh, I think, was it Josh King that the one-on-one was saved? Uh, good save by Tim Krull. And yeah, then... Tom cleverly played the initial pass through, actually. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about Tom Cleverley. He was he brilliant as well. He was running down every last cause again. He, he, it was like that Tom Cleverley from last season, wasn't it, Ben? 100% pressing from the front, just setting the tempo. He just leads by example as well. And you know what you're going to get from Tom Cleverley. He gives 110%. And I just feel like when Tom Cleverley's on the pitch and he's doing all of that, it lifts everyone else. And he's like, you have to play him. You have to find a position for him in that team because he just increases everyone else's workload and just gets the best out of everyone and for him to chase down the ball there and slip in the ball for Josh Kent just shows what he can bring to his side yeah we saw it so many times last season I mean one that sticks out for me in terms of his his eagerness to chase down and he's chasing lost causes was that goal against Huddersfield at home where Brilliant. he chased it down and 
he slid in and he got there before the keeper. You know, maybe a little bit of luck in terms of the keeper probably should have come out, to be honest. But in terms of, you know, chasing every lost cause and everything else was brilliant. Uh, I do think that Tom Cleverley had a bit of a stinker against Brighton, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. That's probably not one of his best performances in a Watford shirt. Um, possibly one of his, his, his worst ones. Uh, and that pains me to say it because he is an absolute trooper, but he was back to his best uh, against Norwich and he's chasing down, as you rightly said, Ben, slipped in Josh King. Josh King couldn't convert for his first of the season. The rebound then, Ishmael Assar cleaned it up and it was game over. Um, James, you know, 3-1, you know, we, we'd not scored in the last three games. Uh, we're up to 11th now, I think it is. Uh, Silly, silly question, I know, because it's only going to provide one answer. But just tell me, how, how huge was that? Like In terms of getting getting results from games that we should be getting, this is this is where we the, the problem was in that 1920 season. We were playing these teams and we weren't picking up results against these teams. Um, so to do it this time round and, you know, six points... There's teams near the bottom, you know, you've got Norwich on zero points, Burnley on one point, uh, Newcastle on two, Leeds on three. Uh, and yeah, we're only five games in, but we're on six points. There is a little bit of a cushion. Again, I want to stress, we're only five games in. But how, how big a confidence boost will that be for the players going into this game against, well, firstly Stoke, although I do think it'll be mainly fringe players, and B, going into Newcastle, which again, for me, another opportunity to pick up three points and be on nine points after six games. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. And, and for me, I'm just looking at it as an opportunity to, you know, you know, beat, beat Stoke, which which we should be doing with the players we've got. Yeah. And then if we beat Newcastle, you know, that's three games then that we would have won in a row. Confidence yeah. should be high. And I think after Newcastle, we've, we've got leads lead away, haven't we? So, we have indeed. You know, there's an opportunity there to, you know, to, to shoot right up the table and, you know, we could be clear of Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich. And actually, you know, in terms of in terms of our attacking players, especially, I think we've got better attacking players than Burnley, better attacking players than, than Norwich and better attacking players than, than Newcastle, bar, bar Sam Maximin. So, you know, we, we sh- you know, if, if we win, beat Stoke, beat Newcastle, you know, I am. I, I'd, I'd be over the moon with that. Really, really would. Yeah, and I think the way that I'm looking at it at the moment is it's almost like you, we're in a mini league with other teams, right? And it, it is a cliche thing to say, but we're in a bit of a mini league, you know, with the likes of Brentford, Crystal Palace, Southampton this season, yeah. um, you know, Burnley, Newcastle. Those those teams are just reeled off. So to be beating these teams is a bonus. To be getting as many points as possible over them is also a bonus. Um, and, you know, it's it's only, you know, Brentford who, are, Brentford's who I sort of were, were expecting to be down there this season. They're the only team that are above us in terms of teams I thought we'd be sort of fighting and sort of clashing with this season in terms of, you know, getting one over them and, you know, trying to compete with to stay in the division. And, you know, they'll again, there'll be people listening to this thinking, he does realise we are only five games in. I know, but you've got to pick these points up early doors. Um, obviously, as you say, we have got Stoke on Tuesday night, which is the Carabao Cup round two. Um, I do, you know, 
we should be beating them, yes. That That's no disrespect to Stoke, who I think have got a brilliant team this season. Uh, obviously, a familiar face will be playing, I'd imagine, uh, in, in the form of Ben Wilmot. So, we know that he's a, he's a good enough defender. So, against our fringe players, it could be a little bit of a tough task. But, Ben, in terms of, you know, turning sort of reflecting on the Norwich result, turning your attention to Stoke and Newcastle, it would be massive, as James said, to pick up a win there and then pick up a win against Newcastle and then also Leeds, who have been struggling as well. We could be looking at three, four wins in the, on the bounce, sorry, uh, or, or even if we pick a draw up there, could be looking at four games unbeaten. That confidence in, you know, continues flowing and before you know it, we, we could be propping ourselves up the table, couldn't we? We, we we could, yeah. Um, it's uh-huh. nice to think like that, but I'm going to keep my feet on the ground a little bit yeah, here. Yeah. I don't want to get too carried away. We've got to treat it as to. one. <laughs> we, we, we need to treat it as one game at a time. Um, yeah. Let's celebrate that for victory over Norwich. Fantastic to pick up three points against the team that we got promoted with and they actually finished above us. So we've got one above them already. Um, Stoke, anything could happen in the Stoke game. I think Stoke are going to make lots of changes as well. Yeah. Um, so I think both teams are going to make uh, play a lot of fringe players. Stoke are fighting for promotion this season. They sit fifth in the championships so far after a really good start. I wouldn't be surprised if Ben Wilmot's actually rested for that either, which would be a shame, but it would be good to see him face us. Um, but the big one's Norwich. Um, not too worried about the Stoke game. The big one's Norwich. The main thing this season is to stay in the Premier League. Um, Newcastle, they're having a lot of issues on and off the pitch at the moment. I believe the Newcastle fans are actually going to do a protest at Vicarage Road on Saturday as well. So I hear, um, yeah. Which, in my eyes, is just just putting more negativity on their club um, and their and their uh, players. Uh, I'm not sure the players will enjoy it. I think it could be quite a hostile atmosphere um, towards Steve Bruce, which could translate onto a field towards the players. Um, so I do think Newcastle is a game we have to be looking at getting three points and probably getting a few goals against them as well. Yeah. Um, but it's confidence now, isn't it? I think our front three are full of confidence. I think if we can maybe get Serie to back into that back line and play him against Truce Econ, who I must say, Truce Econ was brilliant Saturday as well. And I feel like he's growing into the Watford shirt. Um, he's disposition um, on the ball his passing hasn't been great last season but I feel like he's worked on it and this season he's not really put a foot wrong I think Sirielta was more of a weaker link against Wolves the other week but True Econ didn't put a foot wrong against Wolves it was brilliant against Norwich so I feel like we're we're slowly sorting out that back line I know it's against Norwich that we played against and they didn't test us too much but it's still confidence for the back line as well as our forward three yeah yeah, and it's interesting what you say there about the Newcastle game. You know, as you rightly point out, there there's reports that they're going to be protesting. Um, now, I, I quite I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Newcastle. I, I must admit, I, I mean, to be honest, they did piss me off a bit that first season. I think it was a 15-16 <laughs> season. Um, I can't remember the exact word they used, what they called to describe us, but they oh, basically yeah. called us a small club. Uh, well, well, not a small club because we are a small club, but they basically had the arrogance of this is Watford, they're, they're a small club, they're a bit of a nobodies and we should be beating them. I think that season we beat them three times, twice in the yeah. league and once in the FA Cup. So, you know, we we got our own back, so to speak. And I think recently our record against Newcastle has been quite decent. We, we drew against them the season we went down. 
um, away at St James's Park, and we beat them at home in front of no crowds. That was one of the uh, games back after the, the the lockdown had sort of well not eased, but football had returned. Projects, um, projects, whatever it was called, I can't remember. But yeah, um, it was uh, it was two one two Shrodini penalties. Uh, for us, so our, our recent record against Newcastle is not too bad actually. So I, I'm silently hopeful, but and like I say, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for them. So to see what they're going through at the moment in terms of the owner and you know, uh, I, I don't know why as well. I quite like Steve Bruce. So I there has been reports of bust ups at training grounds. The players not happy with the way Steve Bruce has been taking the training, and I think. Um, Dwight Gale and another player, I can't remember who the other player was. Isaac Hayden. They, yeah, they had a bit of a, a spat at training and I think Brucey's sort of blamed Hayden for Ronaldo's goal, second goal, against, uh, no, the first goal um, against them in the, the 4-1 loss at Old Trafford. So things aren't good at Newcastle at the moment and I don't wish that on any club uh, other than Luton and Bournemouth uh, and probably Palace as well, but um, <laughs> I, I, I don't... I don't wish that on, on many clubs, to be honest. And, but I do think we have to take advantage of that. They're going to be protesting. The atmosphere in the away end is probably going to be a bit, little bit hostile. Um, the players and the manager probably aren't seeing eye to eye at the moment as well. So we have to take advantage. Like, listen, I'm saying all this now. They're going to absolutely wallop us 4-0, aren't they? But um, yeah, it's, it is a game that we need to take advantage of. And I think we can. And maybe look to go for the jugular a little bit as well. So hopefully we can, uh, we, we can you know, really you know, use that as in our advantage and, and pick up another three points because it would be, you know, an absolutely massive one. And I think Benny's right to maybe keep his feet on the ground a little bit and get one game at a time and all this. And, you know, we've got some winnable games. We've got some games coming up where we, I'd be happy with draws as well. Um, I think the Liverpool game at home as well, which is the week after Leeds, uh, unless there's another international break in between the Leeds and the Liverpool game, I'm not sure. But, um I think that's going to be an interesting one, purely because of what happened last time. I'm not for one minute suggesting we're going to win 3-0 again, but I think it will play on their minds a little bit. And uh, I think we'll be in it more than people are expecting. So that's going to be interesting as well. That's Again, that's on BT. So I'll be, uh, I'll be looking forward to watching that one. But yeah, hopefully this can sort of kickstart a bit of positivity. There has been a little bit of negativity around on social media recently. Not too much, but a few tweets cropping up here and there. So hopefully that can. Um, a win tomorrow would be great as well. Albeit it's in the Carabao Cup. Um, so, you know... Yes, I want to win. Always want to win, but you know it's it's a Carabao Cup at the end of the day. It's it's a Premier League. I'm, I'm more bothered about. So fingers crossed, we can uh, we can you know stay on track with that. And then just one more thing as well before we uh, before we wrap up the show. Um, our friends over at the Golden Pages fanzine, uh, talking of the Stoke game, will be outside Vicarage Road tomorrow, uh, and they're they're selling their fanzine. They've they've recently brought one out as well. So make sure you uh, you go and grab your copy from the guys outside outside of Vicarage Road. Um, they'll be there selling issue 22 before the game from the usual place, and it's three pounds, and you get 48 pages of what I think is absolutely fantastic content you know me and ben did an interview in there as well 
the Troy Deeney episodes, uh, the Troy Deeney edition, sorry, and uh, the, the stuff they do is really, really good. So uh, help them out. You know, obviously coronavirus has hit them hard, not being able to go to games and still producing these amazing fanzines. It's been hard for them. So, you know, three quids, it's the cost of probably a soft drink or a, a pie or whatever. So help them out and uh, go and go and make sure you pick that up just outside the red line, outside the club shop. So, yeah, go go and make sure you pick that out. But, uh, yeah, me, myself and, and Ben uh, will be back next week to hopefully, again, talk about another victory, um, this time against Newcastle at home. So fingers crossed we can talk about that. But as always, thank you so, so much for tuning in to Voices of the Vic. Um, as I say, we'll be back next week to talk about the Newcastle game. But till then, stay safe and come on, you horns. <laughs>